I'm a free black man, hold up my head, black man. Beautiful black man, I don't that feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase your dreams, black man, and get that cream, black man. We the original man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Native Son. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, and aspiring author who enjoys thought-provoking, engaging dialogue about race, culture, and business. It's been a long, hard road to get here, but we finally come to the end of season one of Confessions of a Native Son. For this final episode of the season, I bring back fellow Marine veteran and entrepreneur Mike Lloyd, CEO of Dope Coffee and the executive producer of this show. Mike and I discuss what it means for us to be free black men in today's society and how we've leveraged entrepreneurship, authenticity, and our unapologetic attitudes towards race to carve out our own spaces in the world. We don't fit inside the traditional box of black men, veterans, and business owners, nor do we want to. We believe that we can change the world, and that change starts with how we show up to it. Through our lens of unapologetic free black men, we discuss the challenges black Americans face from an economic perspective, what we've learned in our own entrepreneurial journeys, and how we can inspire others to also lift as they climb. We also take some time to reflect on this season and acknowledge the growth in both of us over the course of this show. When we started this show, we had no idea where it would lead us and who would listen. Now that we found our audience, we're excited to continue the journey with you all by continuing to push the envelope on our discussions of race, culture, and business. I make an important announcement towards the end of the show and give you a sneak peek of what you can expect from season two, which drops on January 7th. So be sure to save the date. Don't worry, I've got some bonus episodes I'll release over the next few months to keep you off occupied. I also strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the first 15 episodes of this season if you haven't done so already. I believe they are some of our best work. As always, I truly appreciate you for sharing your time with me, and I hope you enjoy today's show. And we are live. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of my show. I'm sitting down this morning with my brother from another mother, Mr. Mike Lloyd from Dope Coffee. Many of y'all might know Mike is the executive producer of this show, and uh, he's also a seasoned entrepreneur. And so it's been gr- it's great to get him on here to chop it up with us for this uh, final episode of season one. So without further ado, what's going on, Mike? What's up, Mike? Look, first, I want to say the pleasure is all mine, okay? It's been an inspirational season so far. Uh, you really kind of helped break my mind, even out the mold. I've been, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man, to combine a little bit of hip-hop and what we do to uh, to your thought leadership. I know you don't call it thought leadership, but we're leading with our thoughts, so that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, we no, 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 man. We call it fighter leadership because we lead fighter with leadership. our thoughts. But we also get in the trenches and make stuff happen. We're not just out here talking about, you know, black economic development and this and that without actually, you know, getting in the trenches, getting a little dirty and uh, bringing this stuff to life that we're writing and talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fighter leaders. (laughs) Man, I'll tell you, um, you've grown a lot too this this year. I mean, a lot of stuff has happened. The last time me and you were on here together was that George Floyd episode. You know, and I Man. like to say that's the time when uh, when America found out we're all black, you know, for exactly <laughs> what was that like? Yo, was that like a two week period where our phones were blown up by people, people messaging yes. us on LinkedIn and, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, that was kind of a crazy time period looking back on it, man. Uh, it's interesting you brought I mean, you brought up George Floyd, and it's, it's weird because, you know, you, you only say that name now when you talk to another black man. Um, very interesting to hear that. Uh, it was. America's landscape was, has been reshaped since. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's been a cultural awakening uh, throughout all walks of America, um, something I've been proud of, not only because of what our country should stand for, but also, man, I got to live in this world. I got to live in America. I want a country where the rest of these folks, you know, value me and celebrate who I am. So, yeah, I've been doing a lot since then. Um, but, yeah, man, just happy to be here this morning. And I think what episode was George Floyd? That was probably like episode 14. So if y'all haven't, <laughs> 14. If y'all haven't listened to episode 14, go back, you know, so you can learn a little bit about Mike and uh, all the amazing stuff he's doing at, at Dope Coffee and just hear us, you know, speaking our truth on uh, on the George Floyd situation. I, I, I say this repeatedly, but we're still in the George Floyd era, you know. But uh, one thing I think, Mike, I think people are tired of it already. You know, and I understand that, right, because... Most folks, not a black man. I'm a black man. I'm kind of tired of it, but I'm tired of it for way different reasons, right? I'm, I'm kind of tired of having to talk about it. Um, but here, let me, let me tell you something. I think people are tired of talking about it, but a lot of Americans have changed their way of life. See, I'm not a pure pessimist. When, when we went back on uh, that episode, you know, George Floyd, I was pissed, right? But then America had a chance to do something, and you know, it's not, it hasn't been some, you know, large national apology or anything like that. But I've seen a lot of people really reconcile with America's past. And I'm talking about folks from all walks of life. I've seen it. I've had those conversations. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at it all like, oh, everything changed overnight. But again, if I could be critical of America, especially of white America, then I can also say, listen, I've also seen some significant improvement in a way that makes me as a person uh, as a black person who hasn't always felt a part of the system, it actually makes me want to really get back in there and contribute because I feel like, hey, maybe we're all moving in the same direction right now. Well, not all of us, but most of us. What kind of stuff have you seen that makes you think that? Uh, just like legitimate conversations with people, um, you know, folks revealing, you know, I, I, got, I got a good friend. Um, I'm not going to mention his name here, but we served in the Marine Corps together. Um, I would say our political ideologies couldn't be any further apart, and they still are far apart, but the humanity um, and the recognition of our uh, commonality, but then the recognition of our differences, man, that's gone a long way just in terms of like being recognized, not being called a name for saying that you have a, a tougher time in life, right? Um, I've seen that and it's, it hasn't, it hasn't been just with him. It's been, um, you know, it, it's been, it's been across many walks of life. So, you know, if you can't look out and see something more positive happening in America, I mean, despite Trump and all all that, I won't get into that right now. If you can't see something organically happening that's more positive, then you're a pessimist. You feel me? Because it's definitely happening. This ain't 1960, right? We're, we're certainly not uh, staring down police lines with attack dogs, right? Um, I don't know. We out here, man. I'm proud of what's happening right now. It may be uncomfortable for a lot of people, I'm proud and I'm happy. Okay. Um, my future is being advocated for right now. I will tell you, I definitely see a sense of understanding with our generation and the younger generation. 
You know, so I will say, you know, I I do I did comment on the first episode we did with George George Floyd, how like all these people were calling me and they're mainly white people, but I do get the sense that people were genuinely curious, you know, and so just yeah. kind of you know pushing them certain ways and saying, hey, go read this and go learn that. Uh, but the reason I bring it up though is because me and you are both on LinkedIn, we're both in you know public figures, and I do see this sense of uh, you know people are already over it, like like like. Like racial issues have just been solved overnight. Like, oh, let's leave that in the summer. You know, and I'm just yeah. like, yo, man, this stuff ain't going away anytime soon. You know, mm-hmm. we, uh, and we know from the entrepreneur perspective, particularly what's happening in the small businesses, black owned small businesses. And I just think we have a lot of economic challenges ahead of us. And I just want to make sure people are still aware of that because I don't care about racial equity is nice, but we also need financial equity. Mm hmm. I think uh, now you're talking. I don't think there's a such thing as racial equity because because race don't eat, it's not even a real thing to me. So like, how am we equitable about some some melanin and pigment, bro? I'm like, let's focus on the economics because man, and I'm I'm really glad you talked about you know uh, economic equity in this country because you know that's why I created that nonprofit break the wealth gap. My my basic premise is this. Okay, and I'm not talking about rich or how much cash you have in your pocket. I'm saying as as a society, when we become more economically just, a lot of the the underlying mechanisms that allow racism to even exist, they go away, right? Like when you have equity uh, from a legal, social, moral, religious, when you have equity in all these areas, it's going to be very hard to discriminate against someone. Like I don't get discriminated against in my own home because I have equity here, right? We just need that same, we need that to, uh, we need that same thing in here in America. Man, see, this is why I get Mike on the podcast, because we're about to go deep, man. We're just giving y'all a little taste of what we're going to talk about in the final episode, man. We're going to talk about uh, economics. We're talking about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about, you know, race and culture. We're going to bring it home on this final episode, but uh before we do that, man, we got to go ahead and get started this week. And as y'all know, on every episode, what we do is give a confession. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and go first and I'll let Mike go. But my confession for you all out there is, you know, as I look back and get ready to close out season one of this show, I realize I've been a little raggedy on the production side of the house. You know, like um, and but I also give myself a little forgiveness, too, because the world has changed. You know, when I started this show. Mike told me, he's like, Mike, you need to do a season. Don't try to go week over week. I'm like, nah, man, I'm doing week over week. And <laughs> even even the the team from The Gifted Sounds, they're like, man, if you do a show every week, that's like, what, 56 episodes or 52, whatever? Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, man, that's what I want to do because that's what I saw everyone else doing. And I thought that's what you had to do for a show. But the thing I'll tell you, man, you know, we got hit with damn COVID-19, pandemic. <laughs> economics were hard you know got hit with the george floyd you know racial unrest and yo mental health and keeping protecting your energy and your peace is is very challenging during that time and then to add on top of that i started talking about really really personal stuff so it wasn't Mm -hmm. easy for me to just get over here and be like oh every week i'm going to talk about my experience in the marine corps Mm -hmm. afghanistan and getting relieved and all that kind of stuff so you know i uh i didn't always drop a show consistently like I would have liked, you know, um, I didn't, you know, me and you, Mike had a nice flow too. I would send him the episodes. He would add in the um, music and, and the soundscape. But even with that, you know, sometimes I was raggedy. I was getting shows done the night before and then editing myself. So that's really my confession. Not necessarily like 
something as deep as y'all are probably used to, but in the sense of, I know I can do better. You know, mm -hmm. this is a growing and a learning experience. So people say, Mike, man, we love your podcast. You're killing it. You're great. Like it's by design that I go like a month without a show, but uh, it's just because I, I could do a better job at producing this thing. No, that's dope, Mike. Actually, man, and then I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I see from you, though. I've seen you create, right? I've seen you create from from nothing. Um, you came up with an idea. You brought it to life. I mean, so many people don't do that. So many people never even try at that idea that's been burning them in the back of the head. So I don't know, man. I kind of think it's got to be a little sloppy at the beginning. If not, if, you, if you're so tight at the beginning, you're probably not making anything worthwhile, you know? Got to start ugly sometimes, man. Got to start mm -hmm. ugly. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Mike? Oh, this one, this is hard for me to say. Um, <laughs> so listen, man, I raised $107,000 this past year. Um, that was just one raise. I raised close to $180,000 this year. And my confession is that although going into it, I knew that I desperately needed the money. Once I got funded, it was, put it like this. I essentially for a moment kind of freaked out, right? Because you got to think you go from having nothing to saying you have all these needs and then overnight you get the resources that you need. And then the next day, like, Oh shit, I actually got to do what the hell I said I was going to do. And my confession is just that, you know, right off the bat, I was, uh, I, I got confused. I got lost. I, I, I even nervous, scared, man. I had no idea what to do. Um, and it, it almost paralyzed me. It was a fear. It was a it was a financial fear. Um, and you brought up spinach earlier. That that hip hop album. You can hear the reasons why I had a lot of those insecurities. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, the, it, I didn't I didn't see a good I didn't see a challenging issue coming from having something good happen to me. Um, having that much money touch my bank account caused me to immediately have to reconcile my entire financial past. Right, I grew up in poverty. I didn't see any form of money until I joined the Marine Corps. Okay, so you talking high school, college, grad school, I never had any money. Like I didn't even know what it was like to have $100 extra to spend. And so now, boom, 40K deposit, 80K deposit, 90K deposit, and it's like, what do I do with all this? How do I manage? Well, I just had to get my shit together. You know, I had to level up. It, 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 you know, to be responsible for that much, and it's small, relatively speaking, compared, but as young entrepreneurs headed where we're headed, like one day I got to be able to handle, you know, multi-million dollars. And I've had million-dollar budgets in the Marine Corps, but that's different. It's my money now. It's just tied to my name, right? Um, I don't know, man. That was hard. It, it's a challenge. I, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, especially ones that don't come from uh, privileged backgrounds, what you do, my, my, my best friend Aunt always says this to me, he says, are you prepared for success? Are you ready for when you actually get what the hell you was talking about? Um, you know, and I was kind of ready, man. I, you know, I'm working on my MBA in finance. It's not like I'm completely lack knowledge on the topic. It's just personal. It, that shit dug deep at me. Um, I can't talk about the, the next, specifically the next raise that I'm going to do. I do have one that's going to be coming up and it's, it's because I've overcome a lot of those emotional challenges inside. It just dig deep to me as a black poor kid having money now is like, how do you deal with that shit? I struggle, but that's my confession, bro. <laughs> that's real, man. And I'll tell you for me, 
I remember when I got the Ironbound Boxing Academy, you know, I was always telling people, oh, I want to have my own gym one day. I want to help the kids. Boom. Move to Newark. Finally get the gym. Now what? I got to deliver on this thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just remember that after that happened, after I got the space from the city of Newark, I was like, man, what am I supposed to do now? I was like, let's just start painting, (laughs) you know, let's get some paint up on the walls. And then after that, you're like, let's get some bags. You just kind of figure it out and make it happen. And I'll tell you, Mm -hmm. Mike, same thing you felt too. And not to the same extent, because I think I just, I just feel a lot more confident these days, but I raised some money for Ironbound this year. You know, we've been mm-hmm. operating on a shoestring budget and then I raised this money to launch Incubator Thrive and also delivering on that and making sure people are proud of that. And what I found is, man, like at the end of the day, man, you know, we just got to do our best. You know, we're in the hot seat. Man in the yeah. arena. You see my newsletters? Right. You see my newsletters? I just write. I get that. You got to go. Let people know, man. But I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, you know, I think, too, for a lot of the young black officers out there that listen to this show, they appreciate how much we not only just talk about the military stuff, but the fact we talk about life and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So that's an important thing to share. Before we get into the theme of today's show, I got to go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, first, I got to give a shout out to Mike's company, Dope Coffee, a lifestyle brand that pairs urban black culture with innovative product offerings in the coffee industry. We're not a coffee brand for black people. We're a coffee brand that seeks to elevate black culture through a lifestyle of premium coffee and candid conversation. Next, we got to give a shout out to my brand, the one and only Ironbound Boxing, a nonprofit organization that provides free amateur boxing training, entrepreneur education and employment opportunities to inner city youth and young adults. Boom. Shout out to two badass brands, both started by African-American Marine Corps officers. We do it for the culture. We do it for our people. And we're showing y'all what's possible with a little entrepreneurship, a little grit and a little bit of determination. So be sure to go check out Dope Coffee. Get you some. Check out the Spinach album and uh, be sure to keep up with all the stuff we're doing at Ironbound Boxing, man. And uh, when I say we, me and Mike, man. We go hand in hand with this stuff. You know, Dope Coffee is Mike's company. That's my brand as well, man. And uh, this show is a testament to to our brands and what we believe. And we're speaking our own truth. So uh, shout out to both of those. All right, Mike. Absolutely. Let's get into the theme of today's show. Free black men. That's that's scary. Mike, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to be a free black man in today's society man you better not ask me a loaded question like that <laughs> they might call the department of homeland security on me boss okay you gotta think about what it means to be a free black man in america see a lot of americans they they don't know american history they may understand their version of american history but they sure as hell don't understand my version of american history you know you gotta if you want to you want to talk about being a free black man in america um without getting into I guess the the morality of slavery, um, you would have to say, well, where did this journey begin for folks like you and I? And, and for my family, you know, this is coming up from Texas in the in the early 19 teens, and we looking for opportunity, right? And this promises of 40 acres and a mule, and what America has to offer to this class of people that literally just broke their backs building wealth. What does it mean, man? It means that. I have an opportunity to extract the same value out of life, out of this American system. More importantly, bro, out of this American economy, 
You feel me? To be free means that you can live off of your work, right? And, and, and the rewards that your work creates goes to your posterity, right? Freedom means that you have a future, right? If, if someone else owns your future, you are not free. So, you know, I could go on and on and on, but, but it's a mindset. Um, going back to that, that question that you asked me earlier, just about where America was in terms of the awakening post George Floyd, I'm going I'm to put something else out there. I'm going to put this shit on America. Here's what it also means to be a free black man. Okay. It means to be supported by American society. It means to be recognized the same, the same way that there is a me too movement, which I support fully. That requires that all of society recognize and embrace the disparities that women face, especially around sexual assault and just periods, just like what women go through in terms of all, a lot of walks of life, right? What I'm saying is American society has to look at us and no longer see the chain gang, dude. They got to look at us and no longer see the guy in the, yellow, in the orange jumpsuit falling to the bus, right? They got to look at us and not see the super predator. They got to look at us and see us for us. That's what it means to be free because you can't be free unless the folks around you also think that you're free. If society for just a moment wanted to say, oh no, you guys need to be encaged again, like you will be, we will be, right? And so it's, it's not just in here in our own heads. It's not just for me and you to say we're free. It's to, it's to exist in this society without fear, right? Without fear of persecution, without just, you know, without the fear that we won't be able to have an equal opportunity. Um, it's to do what the fuck you want to do, Mike, and to have society support you the exact same way they support everyone else when they do what they do. That's what a free black man is to me. That's tough, Mike. That's tough. I think for me, growing up in the South, right, I definitely grew up in that, like, NAACP kind of, I mean, we still had those organizations, you know, in the South, that kind of like respectability politics, that to be a successful black man, you have to kind of walk a certain way and talk a certain way and carry yourself a certain way. And then I joined the Marine Corps, it's kind of the same thing, the military, Naval Academy, you know, super professional, clean, sharp. But man, when I moved to Newark, man, and I just start seeing black people just living themselves, you know, mm -hmm. like there was a time I, when I first got out the Marine Corps, my hair, I would make fun of kids with my hair. I'd be like, mm -hmm. Yo, man, why does your hair look like that? You need a clean, you know, clean shaven. Mm -hmm. You know, you look kind of raggedy, right? But I hadn't, yeah. they had never seen the world through my lens. They are used to being in their own skin, you know, with their natural mm -hmm. curls and everything. And then I moved to Newark, man, and I think it just started to wear on me. You know, I started to meet people. What's up, King? You know, back mm -hmm. in the day, I used to think that stuff was corny. Like, man, who you calling King, man? But now you look mm -hmm. older, you're like, damn, that's, that hits your soul. Or you see black people rocking their dashikis and all their cultural stuff just kind of staying rooted in their foundation. And it's not, it's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not taboo. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's real and authentic and having that shift, you know, and for a lot of veterans out there, you know, uh, oh, if you have a tattoo, you know, you shouldn't get a job mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, what was I thinking? You know, yeah. had society programmed me so much to think that that's what it is, you know? Um, and now, like, I don't think any of that. You know, I remember me and you mm -hmm. talk all the time about your social media. I was like, yo, I love Mike. Yo, yo, your social media is my favorite. I call your social media spicy. Because at first, <laughs> like, yo, if you're a business owner or whatever, Mike is going ham on his social. He's just speaking his truth. 
And I'm like, oh, Mike, well, what about people that, you know, you're going to turn off from the brand? He's like, Mike, they ain't going to buy my coffee anyway. And I was like, damn, you know? And so now for me, being free is just being able to speak my truth, man, and and just being able to live my creed and just being authentic, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. so much of business is so stuffy, you know? It's like, and it's just like, why? Why does it have to be that way, you know? And to be honest, like, a lot of those environments, I don't like. So instead of exactly you know, in those places, in these spaces, I don't, you know, I just, I say what I want, man. I, I, I can perform, you know, I found a, a niche, a niche in entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurship I do um, around Ironbound that like, man, there is no competition, you know, it's just, exactly. <laughs> there is no competition and nobody's more qualified than me to do the job I'm doing now. And so, you know, I do the reading, I stay up on it, you know, I educate myself, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. I'm just a lot more confident. I'm I'm a lot more confident in my own skin in a way I always wasn't. And like this Ironbound boxing hoodie is legendary. You know, like back in the day, I would think I have to go speak somewhere and I'm like, oh, let me throw on this suit and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm like, yo, man, is that really Mike Stedman? You know, does that really mm-hmm. to the demographic of kids I'm serving? Let me go rocking this hoodie, man. And you've seen this hoodie on Everlast. You've seen it down Fox mm-hmm. News. You've seen it. You know, everywhere. And it just comes to me. It just comes from being free. Right. Like, I don't want to force myself on anybody. I just want to be me and just be able to do it. And I think what I have found is that entrepreneurship has given me an opportunity to do that. Now, it's hard. Right. Because you eat what you kill. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you get to create your own space of what a CEO is in your mind and what kind of business you want to build and create the environment you want to show up to each day. And I I've I've. I don't want to say I pity people out there, but it's like I do feel bad for people that have to not necessarily like play the game, but just they can't really be themselves, man. And I feel like who wants to live their entire life not being able to be themselves and and hiding their truths? Can I jump in there with you just said? I think you just brought up a couple. You, you brought up a real good point. This is I'm actually kind of talking and giving my advice, my, my unsolicited two cents. Here goes my thoughts about those, that group of people that kind of have to keep hiding themselves. You know, the only, uh, what we have in between our ears is probably, it's one of our greatest assets, but it holds us back. We, we build these conditions in our mind that of what's tolerable and what isn't. Take me as a hip hop artist. Okay. Before I met the Marine Corps, before I met you in the Marine Corps, I was a hip hop artist. I was a rapper. I was way more of a hip hop artist and rapper than I am right now, right? I was a dude that still had his CDs, you know, packed full in the trunk and his merch. And wherever I went, I was like, yeah, I'm a hip hop artist by my stuff. Then I went to grad school and I joined the Marine Corps and I got that same mental conditioning, you know, as you did. Uh, I got out the Marine Corps. Um, I was still in Sneeze Ferry. I kind of had a very interesting kind of, I was already in entrepreneurship. I was a black entrepreneur in an all white city, all white town. And it just started becoming very clear that, you know, bro, I was bumping uh, Run DMC at 6.30 in the morning on speakers in a 99% Republican town, right? and, and, And that's what I was doing. And it didn't hold me back. But guess what I did at 7.30? I turned it down. And then at 8, it was off completely. And it was top 40 by, you know, 11 o'clock. Um, I mean, my advice, and this is kind of where I was going with this, we feel so many, we've, so often we feel is that 
that whatever society wants of us, particularly as black men, we feel that if we don't sort of go along and comply, that we're going to get left behind. Okay. But here's, here's my experience in life. When I dress like this, right, I got my North Carolina A&T hoodie on, my hair is twisted up. Um, I'm investing in my own future. I'm investing my energy into my culture. Um, I'm getting further and further ahead every day just because I'm being me. When I created Dope Coffee, we wrote the psychographics up on the board because I don't believe in demographics. As much as we talk about race, I actually don't give a shit about anybody's skin color because like, even for a black person, we may not have all the same views, right? When I wrote the psychographics up for Dope Coffee, it was like this, like this mental image of a black woman, 30s to 40s, worked a corporate job. And the minute she left, where she got face, she's running down to the parking deck, trying to get the fuck up out of there, close the door, boom, what do I put on the, on the radio? Travis Scott, right? What I put on the radio, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little LL Cool J, who knows? We, we put ourselves through that psychological trauma all the time of fitting in and then having to come back to where we were. Um, into our own skin to be comfortable. What I would, I would encourage people is to put a little bit more of that right out front. First of all, you'd be surprised how much of it is truly accepted. Second, if it's not accepted, fuck them. Just seriously. It, like if, if, and that's kind of what I was saying about, you, about, about my social media. If someone comes to me, to my social media, and they see me talk about Breonna Taylor needing justice, and if they, and they, if they hear me use some very pointed words towards the right or towards the president or towards the attorney general of uh, Kentucky, then they're already not of the mindset that they would want to support uh, black entrepreneurship, to support breaking the wealth gap, to close the socioeconomic disparities. If they, if they were already conditioned that way, they wouldn't go along with it. So what I'm, tell, what I'm telling folks is like, no, 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 you're making that mental cage up on your own, okay? Let whatever the course of action be when you decide to wear your hair the way it is, but don't take that mental stress on yourself, right? Like we gotta, we gotta stop allowing what we think society wants of us to control our actual actions. Because here's the truth, bro. You want to hear the truth? I got more white fans than I got black fans. I got more white customers than I got black customers. I got more white people DMing me, me every single day, writing me emails every single day about social justice, about racial justice, about closing the wealth gap, about supporting my endeavors. That's why I said the society can fool us into making us feel like it's a certain way. Um, but it's not. I, I just I, I encourage people to come over to where we are, right? You don't have to be a super entrepreneur to grow your hair and to be comfortable. And you don't have to grow your hair to be black. You don't have to, you don't have to you can just do what you want. That's free. And that's kind of the topic of what we're on, man. I know it's kind of a long answer, but we need to be free from all, like, like white folks ain't getting up in the morning having damn mental arguments with themselves about how they show up to the world. Let's just start showing up and be our greatest self from that perspective, you know? That's real, man. And I'll tell you, just like you said, you said white people supporting you and buying your coffee whenever. It's the same thing with me and Ironbound. You know, they're the people that are calling me because I, I found out, man, once I've kind of, stepped into this freedom, people appreciate mm -hmm. you more. Not that they appreciate, I feel mm -hmm. like they have more respect. You know, like people just mm -hmm. don't respect the, the 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 docile, you know, won't look at you in the <laughs> eye. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, yep. they're like, damn, well, at least he's, he's, he's firm in his truths, you know? And it just, it, it just creates a different um, relationship and a different respect, you know? 
And like I was even surprised with that George Floyd episode. I mean, we went ham in that George. No, we went <laughs> ham in that George Floyd episode, man. People were calling me. They were like, "Yo, Mike, respect, man. I never thought about it from your you perspective, huh?" I said, "Did you lie?" No, about I did that? it. And what the hell can somebody say, right? Like, yeah. And I feel like I can get along with pretty much as long as you're not an asshole. I feel like I can get along with pretty much anyone, you know. And it's like. For me, it's just about empathy. Like, I want to have a space to speak my truth. You can have your space to speak your truth. We don't have to get along. We don't have to agree. But just you better believe that I just want to be myself. You know? And it goes back to that freedom. Uh, One thing I want to talk about, Mike, is let's think about this season. Let's reflect on this season. Uh What are your thoughts on this whole... I mean, we got... This is episode number 25, man. I remember talking about this way before we hit record on anything. You know, this idea mm-hmm. of confessions of a native son, you know, picking up where James Baldwin left left off, you know, and talking mm-hmm. about the, the material. And as you look back on this season, I'm curious to hear your reflections thus far. Yeah, I got some reflections. Uh, I also might have a few questions for you to put you in the hot seat. All right. Um, here goes some of my first reflections, Mike. And, and again, I want the audience to really hear this. Um, I was able to hear you conceive an idea or witness you conceive an idea. Um, I had been telling you, you know, really, I, I don't remember even when we watched the show. It's probably what, February, February, 1st. Uh, early February, February 1st. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I knew that you had a voice that America needed to hear. Um, one of my big reflections, you got to think you, you didn't podcast right before I met you or before, before we really got going into this. So one of my biggest takeaways is like, Mike Stedman is a superstar podcaster. <laughs> Mike Stedman has a great uh, canon of information that you know he needs to spread to the world. I recognize that I'm sitting right here beside a thought leader slash fighter leader. Um, I, I often tell folks like, you gotta be able to recognize greatness. And I'm not just saying this to toot your own horn. I'm saying this like, hey, if y'all are listening to this, you gotta understand you're listening to one of the people that I consider, like I go to for, you, you said it, reboot of James Baldwin. It's not enough to study our history anymore. Like that shit happened and it's over, right? It's like, what's happening in 2020? Better yet, what's about to happen in 2025? For that, man. You know, I just, I got to salute you because, you know, it's easy to say, especially as black folks, man, you know how many black folks are on the web running their mouth about what we need to do, but then you're doing it, right? And not only just doing it in terms of running a podcast, and I know I'm giving you reflections on a podcast, the podcast is what led you to practically influence the lives of young people through Thrive, right? It, it, it's a... It's, it's, it's hard, man. This is not just a podcast. These are, this is not an audio file being just put over the internet. It's way deeper, right? It's a movement. For you, it, it became an internalized lifestyle. Um, so I just, I don't know. I have to keep focusing on that perspective because as the producer of the show, I've watched you grow. Um, so yeah, man, uh, those, are, those are some of my first initial thoughts. The second one is just like, wow, look at the impact. Look at the niche. Look at look at that that mindset that's been developed out in America. That first of all, it's a black veteran. That's there's a black veteran, an educated black veteran, United States Naval Academy graduate, uh, national championship boxer, uh, deployed to Afghanistan in support of our country's freedoms, returned back to be on the streets of Newark, right? To to actually 
change the lives at the at the level like the the grassroots level, like the kid walking down the street. Man, that's to me like you, you got to be committed, and I'm not just blowing hot air at you. It's more like this is the reflection. I don't really care so much about the streams and the downloads. It's like, do y'all see the impact out here? You know, hundred thousand or so raised uh, for the nonprofit. That stuff is real, Mike. Like that's what gets me the most excited about this. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of my reflection. I know it wasn't particularly about the episodes. Um, I will give you my one the the one episode. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, it was with the, with the Japanese uh, Marine officer. Confessions um, of an Asian American, Miko Yoshida. Yeah. Yeah, Miko. Yeah. And so, you know, what here, here we talk about a lot of black African-American poverty type stuff. Uh, Miko just had an entirely different perspective being an Asian-American. And, and the thing that I liked about it is, is that when you when we got off black, you were able to seamlessly bring in other cultures perspectives and give them your platform. And I was like, man, that's dope, because, you know, so often, you know, we, for example, we had Sonny Todd in our TBS class as a, I think Sonny's from uh, his family's uh, Chinese or Taiwanese American. I think so. And, yeah, the, yeah, the Taiwanese. Yeah. And so it's like, I just kind of look at him as a, as a, as a, as a, a Taiwanese, an Asian dude. Right. But then there's an entire level of like culture underneath that that goes unnoticed to me that they got to contend with in the world. And so I was just, I was happy to see how the, the podcast could could span um, to to be more to be. I don't even want to use the word inclusive, right? It it was more of from its core. It was built to to show many perspectives in a way that a lot of people could could really digest the information. Yeah, man, I appreciate that, and thank you um, for even believing me. Yo, people see, yo, people see me do stuff with Mike. They think it's like a fully planned out. I was like, Mike, I'm launching a podcast called Confessions of a Native Son. We're gonna show some love to Dope Coffee, you know. And this was before you had like three employees, you, your cousin, and your wife. Yo, I'm I'm in my apartment, my one bedroom in Newark, and we got this thing done, man. And I think about the early days of kind of start, man. It was so it's like not even exciting, but just like I remember when you sent me the track uh for Black Man, and I was like, yo, that's gonna be the intro. That's gonna be the intro to the song <laughs> to the to the podcast. And just this like this nervousness, right? Like I hadn't recorded, I hadn't done anything. And when I think about that first episode, man, it was me on the mic for like 45 minutes just talking, you know, just kind of solo dolo. <laughs> then you see the over the course of the season, you see the confidence start to grow. Um, just mm-hmm. in a sense of getting more comfortable at putting myself out there and talking about the material I'm talking about. Um, because at first it's like, what are you really going to talk about? Like I had these ideas, but it's one thing to actually sit down and hit record on them. But man, over the course of this season, man, like um, I'll tell y'all, man, I think some of my better episodes are the first 10. I'll be honest. If you haven't, if you want to know who I am at my core, like really, really, and the mindset and framework I'm coming from, I need you to go back and listen to the first 10 episodes, right? A lot of the stuff I talk about, about particularly um, racial issues amongst black people, go listen to the episode where I talk about a soldier's play, right? Like there are certain, those early episodes for me, man, were so like, powerful me talking about my love for african-american history me talking about you know the my understanding of black entrepreneurship now and how i can relate it to dolomite is my name you know and i miss mm-hmm. that stuff a little bit you know um but one of the things one of the things that happened though was um after uh 
Colonel Hobbs posted that article, the Marine Corps is always faithful to white man. I just felt like I had to make my comments on the the, 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 the subject, right? Because for me, mm-hmm. you know, and this goes back to being a free black man of like, once you ascend and you reach a certain level of success as a black man, I feel like people want you to just be happy to be successful. You know, like mm-hmm. you should forget all this kind of stuff that happened to you before. And for me, it's like, yo, man, I don't put me up on this pedestal as this Marine black uh, infantry officer and this and that. Now, Grant, I fought my country. I did my time. Right. But I went through a lot of hell too, my own hell, you know, to get to where I'm at now. And so I want to control that narrative and I don't want other people to control that narrative. And so it was important for me to get on here and talk about that on the podcast to let people know where I'm coming from um, as far as my Marine Corps and military experience. And I called it on LSS. I said it was also like an eight mile moment for me. You know, when uh, Eminem gets on stage and he's like, Em, aren't you worried about uh, B-Rabbit says, uh, uh, not B-Rabbit, the other guy, I forgot his name. The guy that got shot in eight mile. If you see eight mile, one of the dudes shoots himself. And he's like, rabbit, man, aren't you, aren't you worried about what they're going to say about you? He's like, what do you mean? You know, me getting shot, you getting jumped. Uh, by Papa Doc and all his goons, you know, mm-hmm. living in the trailer with your mom. And then he kind of thinks about it. And then when he gets on stage, he just raps about all that. I am white. I am a fucking bum. I do live in a trailer with my mom and just goes in to the point where his opponent in the rap battle, he doesn't have anything to say. It's like, what are you going to say to this man? And so for me, when I launched Always Faithful and started talking about my truth, it was that moment for me. Because deep down, maybe in the back of my mind, I was always worried about like at some point when I do achieve another level of success of personal figure, will that stuff come back up? You know, will there be mm-hmm. people out there be like, oh, you know, Mike got relieved in Afghanistan or Mike wasn't this or Mike wasn't that, you know? And it just kind of gave me an opportunity to be like, so what? <laughs> you know, this mm-hmm. is it. And this is why. And I've had so many fucking black officers reach out to me in the Marines. They're like, you don't know how impactful your show is on me. You know, even for Miko, mm-hmm. right? Miko's not black. He listens to the show on repeat because he says sometimes, you know, it's just when he's stressed out or something, it's just like very relaxing for him to hear the stuff that we talk about. Um, and so, you know, it's been a growth experience for me. Um, and I mm-hmm. really do enjoy this medium. And I'm excited though now. People can already see the, the the consistency of the show once I got through Always Faithful because that stuff was so like I was gonna close the season early. I was gonna close the season at like episode 20, Mike. But my girlfriend was like, Mike, you gotta finish Always Faithful. And I was like, oh man. So I think it was around like episode 20 where I was like, we're gonna have a long, slow grind to close this thing out. And that's exactly what we did. But for me, man, it was just like, you know, getting through that material. And it's just, it's there. It's a living, breathing piece of my life that I can go back and reference. I got a five-hour episode on Afghanistan that is downloads skyrocketing, you know, and I didn't think anybody would listen. So um, it's just powerful, man. And I'm just, I'm very humbled by it. And I'm excited to listen to the season, you know, all the way through again, just like you recommended, Mike, because I hear me say stuff back then. I'm like, damn. And especially what I'm going to announce Damn. at the, you know, what's, what I'm going to announce at the end here. So um, it's super dope. But as we move forward, you know, um, with the show, I definitely want to help this audience because we know who our niche is. Right. Our niche, to be honest, is black Marine officers. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And then you go a little deeper, probably service academy grads. But at the same time, there are people out there that are genuinely curious about how we think and how we, because they don't get this, you know, outside of this platform. And so outside of that, you know, I think it's like the broader uh, Marine officer community and veterans and then the academy grads. And so, you know, just making sure that I'm delivering value in my own unique way. But I definitely want to keep cultivating that spirit of people of color, you know, that spirit of like the James Baldwin and the Muhammad Ali and the Malcolm X. And, you know, I am Muhammad Ali. I am Malcolm X. You know, they are me. We are one, you know. And to be honest, if you're real American, like y'all say y'all are, they should be you, too. Because if you're white, black, brown, it doesn't matter, man. Those are American citizens, man. They were grown from the same soil that we all came up of. So when I say that, I don't say that on some like, you know, BS. I mean that, right? They're, that's my spirit, you know, and I, I, they're your spirit too, whether you recognize it or not. And I think when we talk about race, just like you said, when people can look at you, Mike, and be like, that's my cousin. You know, white people would be like, yeah. that's my kinfolk. You know, and I can look at a white yep. person and be like, that's my brother. I think that's when we start to transcend this, 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 this racial issue. And it's not that race is colorblind. It's just that, you know, Hey, he's me and I am him and we are one. Yeah. That might be a little too much for people. I don't know. You know what though, bro, it might be too much, but, and I know I might get, you don't have to let me get off topic for a second. Cause I'm going to keep it real with you on that shit. If it, if they can't look at us that way, we're destroying our, we're, we're destroying the foundation of our own country, right? You're looking at two Marine Corps officers who are, are essentially talking about their own country. We're saying the exact same shit that folks were saying coming back from World War II. Same thing folks were saying coming back from uh, Vietnam. Same thing folks were saying coming back from Korea, from Desert Storm. We're still saying it now. I think what you're saying is spot on, Mike. Like, Folks got to get comfortable with that. You got to be able to look at me like your brother because who the fuck else going to stand toe-to-toe with you and actually defend this place if it's your home and if it's what you love and if it's what, if you mean all that, man. So I know that's not the topic of the show. Um, Mike, I actually want to back up to something that you were talking about earlier, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, I want to go back into like the free black man uh, mindset. And then just a second ago, man, you were, you were talking about uh, who's the target audience for the show and who's listening and what responsibilities that we have. And if people can hear the podcast and hear the truth and whatnot, uh, that free black man concept to me, what I think, what I think I've seen is over the course of the show, right? Cause you know, we talk about every episode I've seen you become that, right? I've seen you become that, that. So like, cause, cause to be a free black man doesn't mean you can just be explosive, right? Freedom doesn't mean unchecked anything right um you use your freedom wisely i don't know i just want to throw that out there i've seen i've really seen that transition and in a lot of ways the podcast has helped me make the transition as well because i got a lot of anger and resentment inside as well right and so to hear your thoughts uh they're they're cultured they're refined right they take they take a lot of this stuff that's out here and it kind of gives you it kind of puts it in it makes it manageable for the soul if that makes sense so i just i just wanted to kind of highlight that um i think one of my one of my biggest reflections over the season is watching you make that transition as well which is interesting uh name of another show that you're doing yeah i'll tell you man um even just kind of sitting here thinking about thinking about that i'll be honest with y'all man this show is pretty selfish right like i made this show for me and i just kind of allow people to kind of sit in and listen to me talk but like i listen to my own show literally Like I listen to episodes on repeat, 
You know, I'll drop an episode, I'll be like, damn, that shit was fire. Let me listen to it again because it cultivates my soul. It cultivates my spirit. And when I think about where we're moving with this show or where I want to see it, man, um, you know, like there's a lot of elite institutions out there, the service academies, you got the Marine Corps, you know, you got business schools, whatever. And when I see the state of black America in this country, right, and I see those of us that come out of these spaces, right, I don't necessarily know. I don't want to say that. I know. I don't think our spirit is getting cultivated in these institutions. You know, I don't think people are sitting down and being like, man, let's just fucking talk about James Baldwin, you know, and nobody knows my name. And let's just what does that mean? You know, like, you know what I mean? Like just really cultivating that spirit of you as a black man or woman or just person of color. And I'm going to talk about people of color, too. Um, but like, I feel like this is an opportunity to do that at scale. You know, so if you are that MBA student at Warden or fucking Harvard or all these other places and you feel like you got to wear the, you know, you got to play the game, whatever. I want people to listen to this show and understand that, hey, you still got a higher obligation to your people and your community and your culture. You know, you can still think critically. And even if you can't say what I'm saying out loud in person, I want people to come to this show and be like, damn, man. You know, I want them to be like almost like not like we're professors, Mike. But like, yo, man, yo, Mike's Mike's right, man. You know, we got to do right. We got to do better. You know, we can't just get because the thing is, when you go to these places, man, they're not going to cultivate your spirit like that. You know, they just mm -hmm. want you to, you know, like, yo, hey, I want to start a nonprofit or I want to lift as we climb, as I like to say, you know, I'm going to give up mm -hmm. margins so that way I'm not the only one on the mountaintop. Traditional capitalism doesn't teach that. You know, what do they tell you? They're like, yo, man, get your money first. And then worry about everybody else later. Black people, we can't do that. It don't work. And I think, too, to be honest, to be critical, I think that was one of the myths of the civil rights era. You know, this idea of, oh, if we just get one or two, the first this, the first that, the first everything. Hey, it's great and all, but look what happened in 2020. You know, look at the rate of black unemployment, imprisonment, you know, all these issues we're still facing. And being able to be honest and say, hey, they did it that way, but maybe that's not necessarily right. You know, maybe I do need to give up margins and start a co-op or something. You know, maybe I need to let other businesses come work out of my roastery. You know what I mean? Like we we can't play by the normal set of rules. And I I think it's I feel comfortable saying that. And I want other people to hear it. And so as I think about where we're headed with this show, is picking back up on those topics, man, and helping to cultivate that spirit. You know, and so people feel empowered out there, man, empowered for the culture. I think that's where we are is I think that's where the show, I, I, you know, we've been talking a lot in the background um, just about where the show is headed. And I think everything you just said is spot on, man. Um, America, the, the thing is, I also think that America is fertile for these ideas right now. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. I know that the, the thing is we got a very niche uh, audience for this show, but man, the, the concepts are global. I, I really think they're global because America right now is also a microcosm for the world. Um, you know, there's political, social uh, instability all over. Um, America traditionally has been good at solving its problems. Um, I think this, I, I think America is going to tackle some of these issues. And when I say America, man, it's, it's so good of how you how you reference James Baldwin and then compared it to the majority culture here. It's like, guys, y'all be able to, you need to be able to embrace James Baldwin and not like the bullshit tokenism that happens with MLK. Like 
would bring MLK out and quote him whenever whenever black and brown folks get like a little too upset about something, we bring out MLK and say, "Okay, we all just get along and all that BS." Like how like like when the think about this for a second, okay? If America, America, and I'm talking about the whole country, could for a moment nationalize the mindset of its people of color, imagine what you could do with this apparatus. The world's largest military, world's largest economy, right? One of the, to me, is one of the most effective forms of government that's existed throughout human history, right? But it's still, you brought the word up early. I, you, you, you took it there to capitalism. That's a, that's a, it could be a taboo word depending on who you're talking to today. Um, but if you start from there, right? If you look at how America traditionally treats capitalism, uh, black Americans pretty much wholesale adopted that. Um, we had our onesies and twosies shoot to the top. I don't think that was a bad thing. I'm not gonna necessarily criticize them too much from what we did in this country from the 40s through the 80s. It's just time to shift and adopt a new mindset, right? It's time for, this, bro, this is why you have a nonprofit, right? Right. As an entrepreneur, you have a nonprofit. For me, I, like, I don't even, I'm not afraid to say this. You know, I'm shooting for like a valuation on my nonprofit upwards of a hundred million dollars. Folks don't understand this is like, I like margins can stay real low because when you look at the system that I'm building, it, it, it shouldn't matter how much I get paid. And that's where I think a lot of, a lot of us get black Americans right now in particular, we only look at how to solve our problem using the tools of the majority. And I, you know, I, th the point of this show and, and even in my deliberations isn't to criticize white people, right? But, you know, white people have a culture and their own history and they solve problems the way that their history and culture solves them. And that shit don't work for us because we can't do what they can do. We don't have the resources that they have. Um, we just, we got our own unique situation. And, and, and in fact, man, just listening to myself talk to you right now, part of me is like, well, I already do. I don't fucking talk about white people other than when I'm having conversations like these because I have adopted a mindset to where I'm more in control of my situation. When I see America, and I'm trying to, I'm bridging a bunch of thoughts. These are deep topics. When America can adopt the mindset of its people of color, like America, imagine if the, if the U.S. government was based on the thoughts of James Baldwin, the same constitutional republic that we have right now, but then the way we administer justice and the way we go about social change, if it had just, just one shred of like people of color's mindset put into it, all of a sudden things like equity and equality would just be on the table instead of calling them Marxism and socialism, right? It's like, there's nothing wrong with all of us benefiting together. It, look, man, if this guy right here is a multi-million dollar lifetime earner, and I climb that whole ladder, but you put me in this mindset, Mike, with lift as we climb, and, I, and, and we haven't talked about lift as we climb, but to me, there is no confessions of a native son without lift as we climb, because that's where you hook me, right? It's like, we got to be okay saying that I'm going to take care of myself and take care of my family. But then my focus, you said it, is on my people. And we can't be afraid to say that. We can't be afraid to say, no, I'm black. I, I talk about it all the time. It's like, unless y'all from East Winston, right? Unless you grew up in poverty with me, unless you came up in Happy Hill Gardens, like my people, sure, I'm all American, but white folks, not break, they're not breaking down the door to go like figure out how to solve the socioeconomic problems of, of the hood. So like, why, 
by one token, like I'm cool with, you know, the inclusive America. It's like, I'm also very cool with saying I'm here to help my folks. One of my friends four years ago called me racist. Uh, well, actually, I asked him about the concept of if I created a program that is meant to help minority entrepreneurs, what's your thoughts? And you got to keep, to be fair, this is 2016. Uh, we were talking about this during the presidential election because I was looking at Trump and I was getting out the Marine Corps and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, either way, I got a little bit a little bit deep there. But, Mike, I just I think that we're on the right track. You know, I, I think that we like us focusing on us. This is something that has always been uh you know, blackballed in America. When black folks start talking about black folks, black folks start doing for black folks. Folks, black folks. I mean, just 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 imagine. And it's not a real thing. You know, the right loves to say America first. And just imagine if we had that mindset, black first. Like, not black first and let's go destroy everybody else, but just hey, I'm gonna take care of my people first. I'm not even saying that's a real mindset I'm advocating for. I'm just saying, like, just think about it for a second. The possibilities, like how much more control we can take of our situation. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I love that, man. That. No, 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 man. I love that. You said something that I've, I've often thought about. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it on a, on a show, probably season two. But this idea of like, yo, man, what would the Constitution look like if black people were at the table? You know, how would we structure this government? You know, because there's a lot of cultural things black people do. The susus, you know, all across the Caribbean, you know, about pulling mm-hmm. resources together. Um, you know, what would the Constitution look like? You know, what would the SCC mm-hmm. be set up like? You know, black people didn't. Damn. Yeah, you, 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 went, you went through a crowdfund. You think black people purged themselves out of financial equity? You think black people sat around the table at the SEC and were like, hey, to be an accredited investor with the SEC, you need to have 300K uh, a year in household income and a million dollars in liquid assets, you know? And mm-hmm. that's the fucking, that's like less than 1% of black America. Why would we purge ourselves out of these opportunities? You know, the answer is we wouldn't. And so we wouldn't. what we've done, Mike, is we are allowing other people to think for us and make decisions for our people in the absence of us. And my thing is, this is where I go back to the lift as we climb thing of like, yo, you know what? All those people, a lot of people that are successful and they do achieve certain level of success, you know what happens after they get there? They feel guilty about it. And they're like Mm -hmm. trying to come back and do stuff for the community and all that kind of stuff now because now they're worried about legacy and how they'll be remembered and all that kind of stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. really feel like I have that problem. You know, I feel like no. man in the arena, you know what I mean? Now I have other issues, I'm sure. But in the sense of like, man, I do what I can with what I have. Yeah. And I will, again, listen, I just don't want to be the only one in the room. I want to bring others with me. And so that might mean my grind might be 15 years where other people's grind is might three, you know, maybe they ascend in three, something happens with their business and their venture in three to five years, what takes me, you know, 15 to 20. And I'm okay with that because I know what I want the world to look like when I arrive. And I want, I know who I want mm-hmm. on the left and right, you know? And that's how I kind of, you know, approach, approach that mindset. And I think, and not to be critical of people, but I just know that like, you know, it doesn't have to be. People see you doing this stuff. They're like, man, what you and Mike are doing is so amazing, man. I wish I could do something like that. I'm like, brother, you can, <laughs> you know, like you can, you know? Like people were like, oh man, Mike, can you give me some free gear and stuff to get started? Brother, it's like $500 for some boxing gloves. You can get like five bags for 
$500 or something. This thing is not supposed to be just so easy and free. It requires sacrifice, you know, and you have to invest in your own people with your own money, with your own sweat equity before you try to go out there and get other people to do it. And I think sometimes people get that backwards. You know, it's like, oh, man, I, I got this great idea I want to do, but I need other people's money. No, mo <laughs> excuse my language. No, motherfucker. Use your money. No, 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 no. You know, but let me let me I want to chime in on that because you're right. And what it is, is we don't understand. I, look, I, so I had I had the honor. Um, the crowdfund associate, the crowdfund professional association of America asked me to uh, take a seat on their board. Right. So I'm like. It's crazy that some little fucking dude from the they well, here's what folks don't understand even like I'm like this far away from just going back to the hood and being broke as fuck. Like it's it's you never even that far away, even though I have a company that's valued in the millions of dollars right now. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. What, what were you just talking about? I wanted to get back to the um the thing you were just said. No, just about the the crowdfunding about you gotta invest in yourself that nobody is gonna nobody's gonna invest in your people if you ain't willing to invest in them too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so here, here's where I want to kind of go with that, man. A lot of times we don't realize what it takes to make something valuable. Um, I think that's a dude. I think that's one of the biggest things holding our community back right now. It's not that we lack the drive, the will, the effort. We because we're so far behind, or we start from the bottom. We think we got to jump. Oh, and that's why I brought the interview up, right? So, you know, I raised $100,000 and I thought that I had the worst business around. I thought my numbers were worse. I thought, I thought just my, my discipline, my organizational structure, I didn't think it was great. So I kept shooting higher and higher and higher, trying to make the most perfect thing ever. And I feel like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs of color, a lot of just people of color in general, this, this is where we get the mindset, oh, we got to work 10 times harder to get the same result. I used to think that. I don't think it's true anymore. I think is that we need to work about three times smarter and let the hard shit fall off because it's not that, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, there's so much independency in the economy anymore or, or right now that, you know, like dope coffee, we literally, the customer comes to us and then we send it directly to them. You know, you go, you back up 15 years from now, that could have been influenced by so many other people before I, with this skin color, had an opportunity to take a product to market, right? And so for a lot of folks, you know, take my sister, for example, um, with almost no cash, she's launched this brand called Black Mermaid. She, she has revenue, right? She's profitable. She hasn't had a single dollar of investment outside of her own, her own pocket. And this is what I, I want our folks to understand that, like, we're so close. It's what Nip was talking about with cultural capital. It's like, bro, you already got all the sauce. And I've had to realize that. That's why we have words like that. They don't exist in, in normal America. You already have it. We need to start getting, you know, lean. So let's go, let's, let's talk about lean startup. I got my team back. Everybody's back reading lean startup, right? We launching this new 21st century digital record label. And I'm like, God, we building an MVP. Don't start talking to me. You know, my cousin wants 10,000, 20, 30,000. No, bro, you can get no money. Put the idea together, get it into a one pager, bust it out into a 10 slot pitch deck. Now let's go talk to the world about our idea. That's probably what black folks need to do more of. Let's take these brilliant ideas we got to get them on paper. Uh, it's a plug from my album, but you, you know, we were all, everything we were talking about earlier. Um, had, did you listen to the song white paper ballad? I did. I listened to everything. 
Okay, so white paper ballot, uh, that to me, that's a whole play on words. It actually is a ballot, right? B-A-L-L-A-D. It's a soft song. But when you look at what I'm throwing in there, it's all about attacking the base of what capitalism is and why we are a capitalistic society. It's attacking the foundations of religion and how uh, the separation between church and state in America doesn't really exist, especially not in a way of like how that impacts people of color through Supreme Court justice appointments. And we could go, we could just go way deep into that. Um, I just, I think in America, um, there's this system that exists and it's fake, it's fake as hell. Okay, I'm just going to say it right now. It, it is so fake and it's what you're talking about. It's why you brought up the SEC. It's why we have to like, it's why we can look at our constitution and the electoral college with so much cynicism and go, this is all bullshit. This is all set up to help people who don't look like me. In fact, the longer we keep this system, I'm never going to get ahead because the laws are written in such a way that poor people, guess what, bro? You're going to have to stay poor. If President Obama had never signed the Jobs Act into law, I would never have had a chance to raise capital. Like, think about what that means when the very foundations of your society means that because you're poor, you have to fucking stay poor. You know, as a kid, dude, I was pissed. My whole life I was growing up like, dude, I'm so smart. I could look around at society and be like, I could really beat all of y'all right now if I could just get a chance to beat you all. And then as an adult, as a black male adult, right, it's just free black man, you start looking at the situation and going, well, there was never a way because the society is set up in a way where I can't be valued. I can't be the point guard on America's team. Why? Because you guys write the shit in, into law. You write it into you write it into the fabric of society so much that then when you fast forward 400 years, you forget that you wrote me out at the beginning and that I don't have an option. Right. I don't know. I just, I want to see, I want to see black Americans understand these concepts more. And a lot of us do know, and we get it. I want to see us vote that shit. Right. I want to see us have that mindset in the foundations of our business plans. It's why, it's why dope coffee, my for-profit supports my nonprofit. It's why my nonprofit is revenue generating Right, because we're because look at the society that we're in. All I did is downloaded the the psyche of a person who's willing to take advantage of the SEC, right? Because that's what it really is. How much are you willing to rip the system off for your own personal advantage? That's capitalism. That's getting to the top by yourself. But I think we can break all that shit down, Mike. I think we can we can take that system because like I think America is a great country. I think we got some issues to iron out, you know, from a constitutional standpoint. But the system can be used to empower our communities. Look, let's just get straight to the point, Mike. If you use the US tax code and a nonprofit to create a multi-million dollar organization, a billion dollar organization, just take the Gates Millennial Foundation, for example. That organization is so successful that they're talking about borrowing a billion dollars just to lend the shit right back to black folks, to poor folks. It's, 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 a, it's not a scam, but it's a system that can be manipulated to our good if we use it. Like I said, I'm a finance major, so I think left and right side of the balance sheet, right? I think of how do we create financing financing activity for our community, right? To create, it's the same stuff they're talking about, how we create infrastructure and jobs and be innovative. It's like, God, let's finance our communities, though. Like, let's start getting 100Ks into the hands of regular Black women, see what that does for our wealth building uh, capabilities in our community. See, I'm just more structural now with how I'm looking at our community. Like folks may be disappointed in me 
to un- if, when they start hearing, oh, wait, this is actually the only thing you're doing with dope coffee. You don't like super love saving the black community and coffee. It's like, bro, I like that. That's my damn hobbies, though. I set the business up for our community. Um, either way, Mike, like I said, these are my thoughts that of, of, of it's, it's, it's what's beneath the surface for us as black people. And more importantly, Mike, for you as a black man, for me as a black man, this shit already exists in society. Let's use it. And I am, and I know you are. So I'm not even lecturing you. I'm just saying, like, this mindset, if you're saying the niche is Marine officers, it's like, hey, guys, be in the fucking Marine Corps is great, but be ready to get out one day so you can come back and contribute to your community. Because you got crazy skills. You got BAMSIS skills, right? You got uh, PT skills. You got OSMIAC skills. Those, those are real skills that are derived off of this same system that we're talking about. Let's use them. Excuse me. I could, like, I could talk for hours on this topic, okay? And I'm going to, because this is my truth in America now that I get. Once I started understanding, like you said, the SEC, the SEC is, is stopping so many of us from ever really making it out of poverty because we have great ideas and no one can give us money. No one can support the system. Um, I don't know, man. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get on top of all this. And I'm not even saying it in a way that's like we're not. We are. We kicking ass, man. If, if you can't look up and see that black people are kicking ass in 2020, you got your eyes closed. You know, uh, the the political situation is clouded. And but we are. I think there's. I will say I am inspired, like especially coming out of Atlanta. I'm not in Atlanta, but like my man Killer Mike, <laughs> Killer Mike, man, that's my guy, right? And he's Bank Greenwood. Mm-hmm. They're building a black yeah. digital bank. That is so dope to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like, damn, man, that is so dope. You know, but to be honest, had I not entered the entrepreneur game, I might not be able to appreciate that for what it is. Bingo. You know, and because it's tied to capitalism, it's it's tied to the foundations of power in America. Right. And I think I'm just like, man, that's amazing. And then you talk about black people kicking ass. Listen, man, I'm going to tell you all, man, black Marine officers are kicking ass as entrepreneurs. I got Mike. I got Anthony Gant. We got my man, John Hunter. You know, I got a list. Like, I take that for granted, man. I got a list. I got got 10 (laughs) black officers in my phone right now that have dope ventures in the fight right now. You know? And when I was coming up, I didn't even really see any black officers, black breed officers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not until I went to the Naval Academy. And then when it was like black infantry officers, you know, uh, until my fraternity, it was non-existent. You know, so like, mm-hmm. I, again, you start to take you start to take for granted that our circle doesn't look like the rest of America, you know, and how can mm-hmm. we take this IP that we have the knowledge of the SEC? I mean, Mike, bro, have you seen his filings for the SEC? You know, all the stuff he mm-hmm. did to get that happen. Our people don't really know that kind of stuff. So my thing is, and this is mm-hmm. going to kind of segue into the next conversation is we got all this IP right of us and how we've been able to succeed at scale, right? Because it'd be one thing if it was just like, oh, I only know Mike. But again, Mike, John Hunter, you know what I mean? Uh, Anthony Gant, you know, the list goes on and on and on, right? So clearly there's this silver lining between the way we're approaching stuff as black veteran entrepreneurs, you know, the shit works, (laughs) you know what I mean? We got our own little way of making shit work. And so for me, that's why I'm happy to announce that I'm launching a podcast company called Ironbound Media. And we're an audio first media company that produces serialized podcasts for brands. But 
at a deeper level, we also got a podcast network. And one of the things I've seen uh, in my education thus far is I read a tons of books. You come to my apartment, I got stacks of books everywhere. I walk into bookstores and I see the business section. How many black authors do I see? Not a lot. Maybe Damon John, maybe some 50 Cent, How I Got Rich. But in terms of like strategies for marketing, boom, I don't see no black author. You know what I mean? Business leadership. I don't see any black authors, right? Shit, I go to the African-American section. It's, it's tiny. You go to Barnes and Nobles, right? A little tiny section. They fit all our history on about th- uh, two shelves, <laughs> two shelves a book. Don't even get me on leadership. All the black leadership is like civil rights era. You know what I mean? It's like all this kind of stuff. So I'm thinking, Mike, I'm like, yo, man, we got all this IP we can leverage, right? I want to write books. Should I write like 20 books? But even if I were, even if I were to write the books, at the end of the day, are people going to read them? Is the stigma there that they would even know to look for black education at a bookstore in that way? You know, because it just kind of the stigma. So I say no. So my thing is what I'm looking to do with my podcast network, right, is to create IP for the culture, you know, create business strategies and talk entrepreneurship and leadership for the culture. Got an idea for a show, idea to invoice in the shoot. Lift as we climb mm-hmm. in the shoot. Podcast like it's a platinum album in the shoot. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I've been working on, y'all. Um, and that's where I'm at, man, because like Mike said, I found a medium. And it's important for us to take advantage of this stuff, too, because I'll tell you, we talk about financial equity. OK, listen, a lot of these old institutions, you know, the, the this, I saw a report. What was it five black CEOs at the Fortune 500? Yo, man, write that off. That's the old way. You know, there's emerging industries right now with audio. (laughs) Yeah. With audio and all this kind of stuff. What we need to be talking about is, yo, how are we going to get our people into these new emerging mediums now? Can can I jump in right there? I I, want to jump in. All right. See, I I always like, I got to bring the historical perspective into this thing. Uh, You talked about the black section at Barnes and Nobles, right? This is why I'm so proud of you. This is actually one of my, is one of the reasons why I support what you're doing so much. And a lot of folks are going to hear me and they, they may get critical if they don't fully digest what I'm saying. You even may. It's because of my view of books. Okay. So black people in America, most of them, most of us are, are West African descendants. The oral culture. There's thousands of years of oral history that is constantly passed down via song, uh, via chant, via just... Um, cultural sayings. Here's what happens in America, because we're, we're essentially a Western European nation. Uh, in, in, in this culture, particularly like in white culture, the written is valuable, which is why laws, edicts, um, the SEC, like it, I mean, it's, it's why I call the song white paper ballot, just because of the way they treat the written word. Here's what I like about what you're doing, Mike. Um, or, and here's what I, here's, I actually want to talk to the audience a little bit. So, so what you guys maybe don't realize about Mike is that Mike is, is, is doing something that I think is at the forefront of what, of, of how black intellectual property would be passed. Like if you, if you guys think about it, so Mike, Hey, you got a great voice. Okay. That sounds familiar, right? A lot of black males have this very preachery type voice. Look at president Barack Obama. We, we're, we're good orators, right? We're good speakers. There's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't have to become 
a written book author for that to be considered valuable for your intellectual property and your knowledge. So here's, here's what I think. You look at rap and you look at hip hop, you look at R&B, black dominated, right? We are great at taking sounds and making them convey thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So when you're talking about your podcast, we talk about uh, with podcasts like it's a platinum album. I'm like, yes, bro. We don't need to keep looking at examples of shit that we don't do well. And I'm not saying that we can't, I'm writing myself. I'm a writer, but it's not like, like we're only chasing that because of what used to be. Oh, what do you got to do to be a good uh, CEO? You need to write a book. What do you need to do to get your ideas out there? You need to write a book. Why do you fuck writing a book? You have a microphone in front of you. We dominate microphones. Let's stay on microphones, right? So I'm very proud of you, Mike. I just, I wanted your audience to really be able to see like behind the scenes into the fact that you're leading a new wave, right? Uh, gifted sounds that you, that's where you distribute your podcast through. There's a black owned network of black thoughts. Most of, if, from, if I'm not uh, mistaken from what I see, the demographics typically look like, you know, age probably 20 to 40, that content creator content creators on this platform it's the new way to do things mike i'm glad that you've embraced it and really turned it into your business model man because because it's one thing to just have a good idea it's another to be able to say i pull revenues off of the same concept that i see empowering my culture to me that's that next level entrepreneurship man and i just i just want to commend you on it because i think it's super dope i can't wait to just keep seeing where it's going yeah man i've been you know and it goes back to what you're saying. At some point, you don't think that like you're you're arrived right yet, right? You're still figuring out. We're still learning. But people see the stuff we're doing and they don't know how to do it. You know, I get people hitting me up all the time about starting a nonprofit, social enterprise, blah, blah, blah. My thing is like, I'm about to put on a podcast. 10 episodes. Boom. Bingo. You can listen to it on repeat. Bingo. You know, listen to it on repeat, you know, until you get it. Hey, you want to learn how to raise money? And get registered for the SEC. Let's get Mike on the track. Boom. You know, <laughs> 10 episodes. And so that's my vision, mm-hmm. man. A digital bookshelf of podcasts for the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, now, yep. how am I going to fund this thing too? The same way I've been doing it, man. I got a production arm. I got a production side of the business. Working with brands, helping them launch podcasts to fill their flywheel, engage prospects, and convert them to leads. I mean, not convert them to leads, but to convert them into paid clients. So, you know, working with brands, helping them get up and running. And so, uh, yeah, man, just the lifting as we climb model. And for me, one thing, too, is I've been following this space of podcasting. Uh, and it goes back to what I'm talking about financial equity. See, what we don't know as people of color, we see all these hosts, you know, it looks like they're killing it. But guess what? They don't own any of the IP on those shows, you know, because mm-hmm. we're not taught that way, Mike. You know, if I'm working at Gimlet and I'm just like a back office kind of guy or something, and then Gimlet's like, hey, Mike, you want to do a show? We're going to fund it. You know what I mean? We're going to brand the hell out of whatever. We'll pay you 80K a year and you get to host a show for a living. You're like, damn, man, that's like a great Mm -hmm. job opportunity. Hell yeah. But after three years of building that show up, being the face of it, you know, all of a sudden you find out you don't own any equity. You can't even go branch that show off into a book. You can't do anything. Anything mm-hmm. you do with that name, they own, you know, and you can't do anything with it. And we're not taught as people to come back at an organization like Gimlin and say, hey, man, uh, I'll do the show. Don't pay me 80K. Pay me 10K and let me get, mm-hmm. you know, 51 percent equity or something, you know, and we've got to 
be also educated to the point of like, hey, if I were to do this, you got to be able to accept some risk because that's the entrepreneurship mm -hmm. game. And so just teaching our people mm -hmm. about like, yo, man, don't take that that pile of money right away and not think long term about, hey, what is it going to look like? And you see all the stuff coming out with Kanye West and the, the Masters album, you know, they, you know, they paying these hip hop artists 10K for these tracks, making uh, freaking $500 million off them. You know, Joe Budden talks about it, man. His song, Pump It Up, they had it in video games, Fast and Furious, all that kind of stuff. Where's his royalties? Nowhere. And so when I think about this media mm -hmm. space and starting this company, you know, just, again, just kind of owning my IP. That's the name of the game, Mike. I'm glad you brought up hip-hop. I think it's very hard to talk about successful uh, black men and being a free black man in America without bringing up hip-hop. And, and I also think hip-hop is a very good uh, micro-analogy for what not to do in our communities. Okay, it's terrible. The hip-hop hip community is modern slavery. All right, and here's what I mean by that. So, you know, you talked about Kanye West uh, not really owning a lot of his intellectual property. And so then Kanye West created good music, right? G-O-O-D, getting out our dreams. What did Kanye West do to all the artists that he signed? He treated them exactly how the white music industry treated him. Take Big Sean, for example, multi-platinum album. His uh, record deal was $15,000. $15,000. This man has probably generated and, 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 and he gave up half of his earnings for that, for that very small number. And who knows, who knows what other splits he had to, to give up to get there. Um, I'm disappointed in the hip hop industry, mostly because there's this modern day, there's this level of new black execs and they're treating the younger generation of black artists and entrepreneurs the exact same way. How can I extract the maximum value out of you for whatever time period before I move on to the next. So I'm glad you brought that up. If I could, I want to get into a little bit about what my second phase is for Dope Coffee as well, which is Dope Coffee music. And we're fighting back against that idea, right? We're, we're, we're pushing back that, the, we're, we're pushing the concept that the artist founder, right? And in this case, we're talking mostly young black males being able to control their revenues from day one to have a source of income tied to their intellectual property. Um, this is big for me, especially with Dope Coffee being such a, uh, a heavily inspired hip hop brand. Um, I, my cousin Stace says it all the time: hip hop saves lives, and I do. I man, I I agree with that so much. Um, but I want to see us now, as this new generation of young black men, take it. And and when I say young black men, I, I'm only saying that because the topic is free black men. I mean, this, hip hop has become more inclusive and diverse, just like any other industry. But really, I, I just think the focus should be, since, since we are using the image of the black male so much in hip hop, we need to be creating situations where the hip hop artist sticks around and benefits. But, you know, that, that we, I would like, Mike, I would like to get on that topic with you one day uh, on your show because it's so heavily intertwined with our culture right now. You know, you referenced Joe Budden. It's hard to reference Joe Budden and all of his success and not talk about how screwed he was at the beginning you feel me um so yeah man i i, I definitely i don't know I, just, I like bringing those those thoughts up about how we just how we as black folks go forward with entrepreneurship um and especially with intellectual property um i think that you know if you if you look at our culture for the past you know 400 years in this country since it's been so um oppressed 
since a lot of our innovation has been stymied, like we have a huge, this huge potential, this pool of just knowledge and ideas and it's ready to explode. Um, yeah, I just, you know, that, it, that word intellectual property is sexy and it's probably a little bit uh, overused. But when you're talking about our culture, man, I mean, if you just think like everything that's popping in America, it's coming out of our hoods. Um, we need to be in control of that shit from day one. So, and, and it's just on people like me and you, Mike. Like if, you, if you're talking about uh, not taking the check to be the podcast host, but creating the podcast or at least being the equity stakeholder in the podcast, like that's what I'm trying to do over here in the hip hop world. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm proud of us for that. Want to see us keep pushing that. Absolutely, man. And uh, even having self-awareness, like, like love it or hate it, hip hop is a part of black community and black culture, you know? And so, mm-hmm. you know, how do you reach? Cause for me too, when I talk about lift as we climb and the gap that I'm focused on is I'm not just going after the winners. You know what I mean? I want to mm-hmm. go after the one that doesn't realize he can be a winner. And how do you engage them? Mm-hmm. You know what you got to do? You got to make some dope educational content, but maybe you got to sprinkle a little hip hop on it, you know, to pull them yeah. in and draw them in and having enough self-awareness around that, you know? And so when I think about what I want to do in the space, you know, one thing is definitely having like the independent podcast network, short form, serialized series to educate, uplift the culture, right? I got a friend, uh, Alana Abernathy. Right. She's got a book publishing company going to get her on. We're going to do 10 episodes on how to publish a book as a as a, how to independently publish your book as a black author. You know, and then the idea, the invoice concept, but just really kind of playing around and thinking through that. And then uh, I'm also going to be a partner with the Gifted Sounds Network, where the show is currently hosted now. And one of the things we're going to be focusing on is educating uh, the culture into how to be producers the back office, the audio engineers, you know, how to be, how to write shows, how to do all that kind of stuff so that they can get into the space, right? So I know for people at a high level, you're saying, how are you going to be able to do all this? Don't worry about it, man. I've been doing it. <laughs> we doing it. Exactly. You know? And it goes back to what you're saying, Mike, yeah. man. I think for me too, the reason this show is important is I want people to know just because white America has done it that way doesn't mean we have to do it that way. And that's what goes back to you're saying, just because I'm an executive at a hip hop label, you know, and I got fucked over and I saw artists get fucked over on the way up. Now that I'm in a position of power, I'm going to do it the same and I'm going to give the same margins and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yo, man, there are no rules. We can create our own rules. And what you realize is, yo, the world, the government, they change the rules all the time. Look at fucking um, cannabis. You know, how many people have we have we locked up for cannabis? And now all of a sudden they 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 do a little capitalism on it. Get the nice little branding, call it flower instead of marijuana. (laughs) It just it's crazy. And all of a sudden and all of a sudden white boys can sell the same shit. They put my daddy in jail over. It's weird, ain't it? It's crazy. Very weird. So how do we get in these spaces? How do we get in the cannabis space? How do we get in the podcasting space? How do we get in these emerging industries, man? At the end of the day, man, it's going to be entrepreneurship. Because... Can I tell you something? No, no, no. Go ahead. Check check, check this out, bro. You know who don't talk about this shit? You know who never have to... Black folks in America, fuck it, I'm going to say it. We so juvenile in 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 our... culturation and in my in our cultural maturity see motherfuckers is podcasting all over africa right all now, over you africa. Me? and no all over africa is is it's only because we're in this system that we're in fucking mental shackles right and so 
the system, the system did it, man. I, it, it's, I'm actually less saying these days of how do we get black people to do shit? Because when I started looking at it, I also started recognizing, wait, this is black people doing a lot of great stuff. And actually what, what it is, man, and this, this some stuff, like, let's go back to the topic of free black man. How many of our own folks don't want the progress that we're talking about? Think about that for a second, right? Because a part of it, even in my own community, I'm looked at as a rebel and an outsider. Here come Mike talking all that blah, 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 BS again. And yeah, so I would say that also a part of being a free black man is to push back against our because that's actually the truth Mike like the fight isn't against any external community right like the fight for you is in your head which means the fight for our community is in our own heads hey I'm seeing it different uh I feel like Malcolm X more so uh I'm not sure if you saw the his autobiography the movie which was where he kind of had the yeah, the revelation at the end of like, I'm just looking at all this the wrong way. And there's not, and actually Malcolm X gave me the courage. Cause if you want to, you can sense the militancy in me, obviously. Right. So he gave me the courage to drop that a little bit because that's the shit they don't, we don't talk about with Malcolm X is when he finally got over the militancy and how he saw us building our communities, which I think is probably more dangerous than being militant. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just I, I I see I see America. I don't know, man. I see a lot in America, but this, you bring up these topics that are are so deep that it's. I mean, we we've been going on for about an hour and a half now, and and it's just we could talk for days. I'm ready to. I'm just ready to talk less, and I'm not talking to you. And now I'm talking out to our folks. Now I'm ready to hear less talk. Fuck it. I'm ready to see more people doing what we're doing. I'm ready for them to match us, man. I'm ready to, like, I, I put stuff online that's like, I'm challenging other hip, uh, hip-hop hip artists to do things that I'm doing. Like, all right, bro, but I'm investing my rap profits in Black-owned businesses, right? Because I'm going, I'm, going I'm going to get the money from America. You're going to buy my shit. You're going to stream my project. Like, now how can I use that intellectual property to further my community? This, bro, I just want us to be changing the dynamic out here. I love we, we got to be radical. And I love what you're doing with Dope Coffee because the entrepreneurship, you know, like what do most rappers do? They start another record label. You know, you're like starting a coffee company to filter your love of hip hop through, you know, you're pushing hip hop in a new medium, you know, and you're getting innovative. And so at the end of the day, like, you know, a lot of these hip hop artists, man, like, I don't know, like for as much talent as we have, <laughs> you know, we're making a lot of people a lot of money off of black culture. You know, but we don't, you know, yeah. we don't own a lot of the equity. And I I love to see that, mm-hmm. like, you're changing that. And going back to your comment about, you know, as I start looking at the space of podcasts, you know, Charlemagne the God, someone I look up to, you know, he's coming out with his podcast network, the Black Effect podcast. But I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't really see a lot of people talking about the stuff I want to talk about. And again, it goes back mm-hmm. to, for my listeners out there, when you approach entrepreneurship, you want to create your own niche where there is no competition create your own category, you know? And what I see is like, yo, you look at podcasting and for black people, Mike, entertainment, boom, a lot of podcasts. All right. You talk about pop culture, you know, modern hip hop culture, all right, a lot of podcasts. You talk about entrepreneurship kind of starts to go down a little bit. You know, you start talking about economic development starts to go down a little bit. So there's this niche that's available. It's less crowded, you know, and I feel like it's, it's, it's open. 
for exploitation. And then on the podcast front, in terms as a producer, all these brands playing this game of, oh, we're going to make this podcast and chase uh, 100 million downloads. Blah, blah, blah. I look at that. Yo, when people go left, I go right. I'm talking about podcasting as a service. You know, hey, y'all go chase the ads. I'm going to over here make my money helping these brands launch their shows. Right. Mm-hmm. Completely different model than the ad game. But what it does is and it also allows me the free time to focus on my nonprofit. You know, um, it allows me the time to create the IP that I want to create um, on the independent network um, and just, you know, be me. Because one thing we're going to close out with is just where we're at in our lives. You know, and I think for me, when I first started my for-profit arm, Ironbound Boxing, built around corporate wellness, to be honest, y'all, it was just an opportunity for me to basically pay my bills while I focused on my nonprofit. You know, I was like, hey, man, how can I make money while I, you know, get this nonprofit off the ground? I was like, oh, I'll just train clients. Well, if I train clients, you know, I should just keep it all under Ironbound. But as the world's transition, like everything's virtual, doing stuff on Zoom, man, I'm just not interested in building out a, a digital wellness country company i love amateur boxing i love the blood sweat and grit found in a gym i love teaching that kind of boxing you know i'm not billy blanks my shit ain't tybo you know i don't like that stuff and so then it's just i felt like it was taken away from you know what i really am passionate about which is the amateur boxing side of the house and so what this is going to allow me to do with ironbound media is it's going to allow me to build out a company using all the lessons i learned you know, the past, what, mm. three years, you know, probably five years, you add in Fight Mojo, um, and add go. in Fight Mojo, and just, you know, create something. And guess what, y'all, we're already profitable. <laughs> Yo, I don't play that game no more. Yo, I got I already got exactly. clients, boom, I'm not forcing nothing on the market. We're already profitable. And so just going to grow that. But uh, I'm really excited more so about the, the little shows we're going to do to push out there for y'all. And if you're not black, white, whatever, man, it's, it's some dope shows. I already showed Mike the cover art for it. So um, I think everybody's going to get something out of it, especially in my network. No, absolutely. No, that's dope, Mike. It's actually, I'm just kind of reflecting even on this conversation and I'm looking to see what you build, you know, out really in, in 2021 because, you know, you read Lean Startup. So this, I feel like, you know, Confessions of a Native Son season one has been your MVP, right? It's been your minimum viable product. And, and even in going what you were just saying earlier about how, you know, your your media company is going to be profitable on day one because you're not going to get tied up in a, in a lot of stuff, man. I think I just think you're headed the right direction. I'm, I think 2021 is going to be a breakout year for you. Um, you seem to have it all. You got all your ducks lined up. And just think about what it's going to be like once your ducks are all lined up and then they get to just keep walking in unison for a whole year, right? So hopefully we will be sitting up here, you know, late October 2021, uh, coming back to discuss, all right, how did Ironbound Media go? How did that concept of, uh, you know, a a 10-track podcast season, how did that go? Like, how did the – because these are your ideas, and we're building them out right now. I don't know. It's, it's, it's exciting to have somewhere to go. You know what I mean? Instead of just, what was I doing? And then matter of fact, and I know you got to close it out here. No, you're good, um, bro. We got 30 minutes. Yeah. Cool. I talked to you at the beginning of COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different Mike Stedman. You're, bro, you're in New York City, right? You kind of had part of the American epicenter and you were just like, oh shit. <laughs> it's, it's different, right? Because I'm in New York. I mean, y'all got folks on top of folks. I'm in Atlanta. It's spread out. It's packed, but it's spread out. 
Um, and I, and, and it was immediate, like, all right, what am I going to do on day one? Well, I watched you make 17 pivots back to back to back to back to back. Now I'm hearing you talk about, it started with, I'm going to get online and use my boxing skills. It was still your intellectual property. You just had to keep performing it. Right. And, you know, over what is four or five months now, you have made so many good pivots that I personally feel, still feel like you're, you're, you're actually executing on the original concept, right? But you're doing it in a more refined way. And that, to me, that's, that's actually the testament of what the season has been, right? The season has gotten better. The shows have gotten better. But now, you know, you're, you're seeing how you can take this success and then funnel it all into a more efficient operation, right? And, that, and that's, that's what's cool for me. Um, I got high expectations, man, for, for what you got coming up here. Um, I'm really, I think one of the most things that I'm excited about seeing, and maybe this is something that we could come back in the second season in is, is, uh, breaking down. So like some of the stuff that you're talking about, right. You're saying I'm doing a, a media company, um, and, and I'm going in, I want 10 K a podcast. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm pulling an equity position in with gifted sounds. Here's what I like to maybe hear some of in season two is, well, what are the finances of that, right? Like, like legit break it down for me. I'm the new guy that's coming in and say, I want to put my podcast together. What was the equipment setup cost? What, what was the actual production runtime? What was the benefit? Uh, and I'm not talking about, I don't want a case study. Well, I do. I want the Mike Stedman case study, right? Because a lot of folks I feel like is, you know, so we talk about John Lee Dumas, right? Another military veteran, uh, Army guy. Um, he has a, has, a, has a great podcast network, and, and it's a different concept than what you're doing. Um, but you're able to see how it did over time. He was very transparent, right? He even puts his revenue right there on the page. Like, hey, this is what we did for the month, right? Um, I think that how he created I, – I do. I personally think John Lee Dim has created a niche of, of – of, a niche of niche podcast, if right. that makes sense, right? Um, and so I think what's different for you is now it's since, since that podcasting niche, since the niche podcast has been developed, what you're, what you're doing is now you're coming along and you're taking better ideas, right? Cause I would, I would listen to some of the podcasts that uh, he would inspire and it would be dumb shit. Like, you know, how to make your quarter shine better, right? This is a bunch of, this is a bunch of weirdos making podcasts because they can afford the mics and the equipment and this and that. And now that the technology is caught up, you're saying that this shit is accessible to everyone. everyone. Um, so I, yeah, yeah. So I want, I think I want to maybe just see like a breakdown, yeah. you know, even if it's just on your site. Yeah, no, nah, that's one of the things I'm going to do too for the podcast, like a platinum <laughs> album, tell a brand how to make mm-hmm. a podcast, like a platinum album, how to make a hit that just keeps on, you know, a good, a platinum hit is good 30 years later, you know, so and, and teaching, you know, teaching people how to make intentional podcasts, right? This idea of, you know, where you want your end user to go by the end of those 10 episodes, you know, you know, what kind of transformation you want them to see within themselves and creating a show that delivers that. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then just again, right? Like the whole concept of the, the independent network, um, the Ironbound shows is exactly what you said, Mike, allowing me to just kind of, instead of writing a manual, be like how, this is how I did this. I can just do a 10 track show myself with some show notes, Mm -hmm. link to articles and say, Hey, this is how I did it. Listen to the show and be able to to do it at scale. Um, But you said something, man, I want to touch on. I didn't even acknowledge it this whole time we're talking about. 
yeah, we've been through some stuff this past year, man. You know, and you can listen to the sound of it on my episode. You know, I, I take it for granted that, you know, at one point for about seven days, my revenue dropped to zero. My boxing gym shut. My <laughs> revenue dropped to zero. My boxing yeah. gym shut down. I lost a client that took me damn near a year to get. You know, I was making a thousand dollars a session mm -hmm. from one boxing client, you know, so mm -hmm. stuff was good. And to see that all go away so quickly and drastically. And just like you said, man, I didn't lay on the canvas, man. I got back up, you know, and humble. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to brag, but I look at my bank account now, man. I haven't had that much money, in my bank account in a minute, you know, and it's just like it's different <laughs> in COVID amidst all this. I look at my nonprofit. Yeah. We had our best quarter ever. You know, I raised more last quarter for my nonprofit than I have in, in three years since doing this. And mm -hmm. part of me can be like, I mean, sometimes we got to do a better job of this, Mike, of applauding ourselves sometimes, patting ourselves on the back. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> I know I walk out my front door in Newark and I do see dudes out there smoking dope, drinking, you know, watch probably at home watching Netflix. And I'm in here grinding, you know, teaching myself how to mm -hmm. podcast, teaching myself how to produce, watching videos, calling you, surrounding myself with good people, investing in a business coach, you know, all this, this stuff. And it's like, yo, man. You know, that's impressive, you know, and it is. and acknowledge how far we've come and how far. I mean, we first of all, we got a dope show. This is a highly acclaimed podcast and we don't yeah. even market it. <laughs> Am I wrong, Mike? Yeah. Nah, I'm fussing about we that. Fuss, he week. fusses <laughs> at it. He fusses about me at it. But, yo, we have not marketed this show. We, the most you've seen me maybe post once or twice on my LinkedIn, maybe somebody else comments or whatever. But in terms of like pushing this out in like a newsletter, all that kind of stuff, man, we haven't done any of that. And for us to get the recognition we get, you know, to get the super fans at Dope Coffee, to get the super fans at Ironbound um, and just see the numbers continue to go up on this thing is like, I mean, it's a credit to us as entrepreneurs and our ability to deliver value to the world. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think that it's a go back to the beginning of the episode. It's also a testament to the, the actual progress that's here in America, right? Your success is reflective of America. Like I want us to start recognizing that and internalizing that like, Guys, when we start seeing black folks come up, that means America is getting better. Mm -hmm. We need to recognize that, right? So, yeah, man, you got me pumped, bro. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ready for more Iron Mike. I'm a believer in Iron Mike. I was walking through the mall the other day, and uh, there's a pair of socks sitting up on top of the rack at, at, at Foot Locker, and um, Iron Mike right there with the with the with the boxing belt on, red gloves up. I said, can I get these socks? Oh, man, we ran out of stock three weeks ago. It just made me think about you, man. You're an inspirational figure. You know, we don't toot our own horns a lot because we down here in the trenches, man. But yeah, dude, I'm, you got to think, man. You got 20-something kids in Newark. In, in the inner city of Newark, you got 20-something kids that understand branding, marketing. They understand how to go get their first invoice now. Come on, man. That's superstar shit. And as much as I love a lot of other folks, they're not doing it. They're talking about it. You feel me? So my hat's off to you, Mike. Um, I expect more in 2021, though, because that's the reality of where we got to be as black entrepreneurs. We can't rest on our balls, right? We're nowhere close. We're nowhere close. So, yeah, man, hat's off to you. 
hats off to Ironbound. Everything, I, I think the Iron, look, I showed up to the podcast today. You see, I'm drinking out of my Ironbound cup. And it's not even, to me, it's not even like, oh, let me do this because I'm on the show with Mike. It's on the rack at the beginning because I respect the brand. The brand puts me in a mindset. I'm not a fighter. Actually, I run away from fights all the time. <laughs> so when I put this boxer thing in my mindset, bro, it's like, yep, I'm coming in here. It's a strategy. It's a setup. It's a long game. I already know I'm going to take you down, but how and when, man. So, yeah, my hats just go off to you, man. And everything you're doing, um, you know, we linked up almost two years ago, and now I feel like I'm I'm chasing you. I'm looking at the stuff that you're doing, and I'm like, look, you, you, don't, you don't see it behind the scenes. I'm personally setting up the Mike Sedman play, right, for creative Mike the Rapper in the background. So yeah, dude, this 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 has been awesome. Before I close this out, Mike, I want to give you an audience. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity to address our audience, right? Any closing remarks for them regarding dope coffee, spinach? Let them know, man. Uh, just talk to our audience and uh, give them some whatever's on your mind before I close this out. Uh, here go here go my last thoughts, man. Uh, we we could be very selfish at times, so I'm not going to talk about me. I just want to challenge everybody, right? You're listening to a podcast called Confessions of a Native Son. You're listening to, you know, myself, Mike Lloyd. You're listening to Mike Stedman, two Marine officers who, you know, genuinely, we love our country. We love who we are. We love what we're a part of. I want everybody to just really internalize these episodes. Um, listen, right, and, and try to put yourself into our shoes, into our mindset, and, and into our perspective. Um, because, you know, I, I feel that what's being presented here is it's, 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 we talk about needing a better America. We talk about needing a more inclusive society. Um, the ideas that we present here, man, they are the foundation. And the more people who don't look like us, or the more people who come from a different background than us, or who have different experiences in life that can really understand and respect and value these conversations that we have. Uh, I just think that we're, we're going to go further, man. So I, I just, I, I encourage everybody to adopt the mindset that we're trying to present here to really buy in, um, spread, spread the podcast around. Um, those, those are my, are my final thoughts. Cause I, I just, like I said, Mike, you're a leader. These messages need to permeate society. Awesome. I appreciate it. My brother. And to my listeners out there, I want to thank y'all for being with me on this podcast journey thus far. We took an idea, we manifested it, and we've created a community of people out there that uh, finally feel like they have a voice that speaks to them. You know, I don't like to use the term allies, right? I feel like that's a term that kind of popped up. But there's good people out there, white, black, brown, doesn't matter, man. And I appreciate y'all for reaching out and letting the words resonate with you. You know, we got people out here taking notes, Mike. They hit me up. They're like, I was taking notes on your podcast and uh, it's just been super impactful for me to be able to deliver that kind of value. But uh, you all make it worth it. Um, and we've touched on some sensitive material over the course of this season from, you know, uh, George Floyd to Afghanistan and all kind of stuff, man. And uh, but it's all my truth. Love it or hate it. But uh, I had to get it out there. And as I move forward with the Ironbound brand, man. You know, one thing I'm going to say with regards to Ironbound Media is I'm excited. We are, we're just, we haven't even, there are no rules in audio. You know, just because you see these podcasts and that's what people are doing with audio. There's so much stuff we can do with audio, man. We can record manifestations on audio and send them out to people. 
You know what I mean? Like I play with that idea. There's so much stuff we can do. Um, we could do one, once one episode podcast, you know, like as long as we're able to deliver value to people. But for me, the thing that's important is I like think audio learning, you know, I learned so much on audio, um, and just sharing that with the world, you know, sharing with the world, how I learn, it will take me a while to write a book on it. It's not going to take me as long to do a podcast on it. And so just creating that kind of mm -hmm. IP and I'm excited about that, man. But, uh, you all make it worth it. What I'm going to ask you to do is to first, I need you to go to the Ironbound Media website, ironboundmedia.com, sign up for the newsletter. That way we can push out all the, the, the shows we're doing and keep you updated on the content. We haven't, we haven't done the best job of that. I want you to give us until January 7th, mark your calendar, season two, Confessions uh -oh. of a Native Son is coming out on January 7th, okay? And here's why, all right? My lifestyle, one of the things I realized is I have to batch my content. And with the other shows I've produced, I've already done the whole seasons for them, right? And so January 7th, you'll have a fully packaged season. season the first episode will come out, but you ain't going to have to worry about these long gaps because we're professional now. We're getting a little better. You know what I mean? We're tightening up. And what I'm going to do for you all out there, right? I've got some bonus episodes that I haven't released. You know, I got my whole folder of episodes I haven't released. So what I will do is I will drip those episodes to you all during that time. So that way you can still feel like you're getting empowered by the podcast. And I'm going to ask my brother, Mike, if he'll let me drip some of that spinach album out to my list, to all you out there. Cause it's a dope album, man. He talks about some, ah, man, it's just dope. It's a dope album. Um, we're going to drop that for you all. And other than that, man, we're going to be kicking ass in Newark, working on thrive, getting our boxers uh, back up in the gym and man, just learning and growing and creating more opportunities for people of color. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to be able to create this show. It's been a pleasure to do it with Mike. My man, Mike, supporting me from day one. And here we are. Yo, he wanted me to close out this show, like, was it, like 10, 10, 15 episodes ago, Mike? He's at episode yeah, it's 10. Yeah, like episode 10. He's like, yo, let's just, let's just go back and promote. You know, you need to go back, listen to your body of work, and promote it. And so now, over the course of this period, this is what we're going to do. I'll tell you all, too, man, I uh, joined a speakers bureau. So I'm, I got my first big speaking engagement coming up at Merck, Farner, Merck Pharmaceuticals on uh, November 11th. So uh, for those of you out there that like the show, man, if you're looking for a speaker, we'd love to come speak to you. Um, and I would love to, I'm going to use this time to also engage the listeners because I've gotten a lot of emails and people invited me to groups and stuff to speak at that I haven't done the best job of uh, responding to. But now as we go into production of season two, you know, I'm going to be out promoting season one. So I'm going to go talk. I'm going to speak. I'm going to go on other podcasts, talk about the body of work and uh, just excited to get out there and engage. But in closing, man, I just want to say for my young black officers out there in the hustle, man, listen, don't dumb down your greatness. I'm telling you, you are great. Me and Mike are a testament. We are you. You know, you, you we come from the same tribe. All right. To my non-black officers, same thing. You know, we can win, y'all. We just got to we got to lead with empathy. We got to be able to speak our truth and we also got to be vulnerable, which is why I give confessions on each episode. I don't want y'all to think I'm some superhero or my guests are some superheroes. We got it all figured out. We all got our issues. And so just lead with empathy, be vulnerable and don't be afraid to take action. Um, and man, really, that's all I got, man. I'm just so thankful for this show. I'm thankful for everything. And uh, I'm excited to keep building and take Ironbound Media into the into the stratosphere.
All right, Mike, let me go ahead and wrap this up. Be sure to subscribe and support this podcast by giving us five stars and leaving a review on iTunes. Also, forward this show to anyone in your network who you feel who you feel identifies with the subject matter. Order some dope coffee at www.realdopecoffee.com. We've got to start supporting our own businesses. Mike and his team just dropped a hip-hop album, Spinach. Head over to the official Dope Coffee website and purchase your exclusive Spinach merch pack. Be sure to donate at ironboundboxing.org where we build champions in and out of the ring. Every donation allows us to support free amateur boxing training, entrepreneur education, and employment opportunity programs for youth and young adults in low-income communities. We are kicking ass in Newark, y'all. We built a free boxing gym for the community and also launched our Incubator Thrive this past summer. All of our programs are free for youth and young adults in Newark. We're running another small business pitch competition starting November 12th. We're going to teach participants how to launch a small business and give them opportunity to earn some cash prizes. If our mission speaks to you, we would love to have you support our efforts. It's time to put our money where our mouth is. Posting and commenting on social media is one thing. Being bold and taking action is another. We could use your help. So donate today at ironboundboxing.org. Feel free to message me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email at mikeatweareironbound.com. Special shout out to my co-producer, Mr. Mike Lloyd, and the team from the Gifted Sounds Network, rooting for everybody that's black. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. We'll relaunch the show, season two, on January 7th. Peace. Black man, and chase our trees, black man, and get that cream, black man, we the...